Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the P13 podcast. Yet again, we're here on another special day. What mm. is today? FAQ part dose. Du- Dukes. Oh, you du- changed du- it on D- me. D-E-A-U-X. How do you say that? De. Oh, really? Is that French? De trois Look at that. See, yeah. There's the French Canadian coming in strong. Oh, absolutely. We, we had to, it was mandatory in fourth grade up to about seventh. It's a long time. It is a long time. Did a lot of people uh, speak French where you hail from? No, they did not. So, <laughs> I, so worthless. I, <laughs> I barely used it. But, anyways, that. That joyful sound coming through your ears is Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello. And I am your host, Michael. And again, yes, we said it earlier. FAQ part two, part deux. I never got to continue using it. We could read it off. There's a lot of signs that would have it. Like, arrête, stop. And then... Really? Yeah. They would have the French... confusing. Yeah, they would... It's just like, well, you think about it, and then you have out here in California, it's like Spanish and English. Am I right? Uh, Similar to that. I've never seen a Spanish stop sign. Oh. Have you? I have not, actually. What is it in Spanish? Hey, TJ. (laughs) You know how to say stop in Spanish? (laughs) He said fuck. I'm sure that's not right. (laughs) No, I I don't believe... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's correct. <laughs> it's what? Okay, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Um, we'll look it up. <laughs> that was too good for some reason. <laughs> yeah. You what? We are okay, currently waiting on producer TJ to help us out with this, but I don't think this is going too well. No, no. You right, can you can let us know on the board when you come into the gym yeah. and tell us how to say stop. Someone that's Spanish. fluent in Spanish. Oh my gosh! All right, that was good. Sorry rich. about that. It was rich. Anyways, question one. Question one. This one. I was surprised to see this on the board. It's directed to myself. Is Kala as hell-bent against targeted ab routines as Thomas? This is Shayna. Oh. Hi, Shayna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi again. Mm-hmm. You're on a lot of these. Thank you. She questions a lot. She does. It's a fun, it's a fun discussion. Mm-hmm. I would say I am on the same page as Thomas. Maybe I, I program a couple more in there, but like... It's you're always going to have your core engaged when you're doing a lot of the movements that we do in the gym. Yeah. And it may help to provide some context around this question. So, yes, Shana, this would be great. Yeah. Shana and, I, Shana and I, uh, we often have a back and forth. She wants to do more targeted ab routines. Yeah. And I always I don't dis, I mean, maybe I discourage it. But I'm more of the thought that, you know, the way that you get strong abs is squatting heavy, deadlifting heavy, mm-hmm. 
And sure, there's other auxiliary movements that I would use, like crawling, um, planks. Planks are not bad. Turkish get-ups. Turkish get-ups. Uh, bent over rows. Bent over rows, like anything that requires like lateral flexion mm-hmm. to either side. And uh, yeah, and so in her mind, it's not sit-ups. It's not, you know. V-ups. V-ups. Like it's not those lifts. things. Leg lifts. And so in her mind, she doesn't think that she's doing enough abs. Got it. And so so I actually took her through a routine the other day that was, what was it? It actually involved the bike as well, just to give her a little, mm. a little burner. But it was a bike, then 30 seconds of uh, front rack, double front rack kettlebell walks, which is also going to tax your core. Mm-hmm. Um, then... A minute of bear crawl, very controlled, and that's controlled. the key. A lot of people do bear crawls, and they just let their hips, hips flail. go everywhere. That's not what we're looking for. That's not going to provide the effect that we're looking for. But a minute of that, and I just made sure that she had the proper form, and then a minute of horizontal ring support. Uh, so you're the helicopter parent on this one. I am, <laughs> yes. Uh, made sure that her form was impeccable on all those. And so provided her with that and like, I mean, I guess I haven't seen her since then. So I'll have to ask how her abs are feeling. But short form, I am, I guess I'm on the same page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll put so it that way. <laughs> we don't, so to, to wrap myself and Kala's perspective on this into one opinion, we're not huge on doing a lot of targeted ab work just in the sense that you could be spending your time doing more valuable things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we'll never program it. Like Paul no. said, he'll program it. I'll program it. But it'll be a small dosage, something yeah. that takes eight, five to eight minutes. Five minutes, yeah. Eight minute abs. You know? <laughs> that's about it. So that's a pretty small amount of time in any given session because you're going to be spending the rest of the session squatting heavy deadlifting heavy and guess what getting your abs strong don't forget your abs are muscles too like they are they need they require rest just as much as everything else in Mm -hmm. there especially since they are holding you up like Mm -hmm. by pre-exhausting them you might potentially well i don't know about this look in the science of that but like if you pre-exhaust a lot of them it may actually i may be and then you go well yeah you i mean i see where you're going with this like Depends on how much you pre-exhaust them. Pre-exhausting them a little bit could actually help people that have a hard time understanding if their core is working or not. Yeah. You know, in a deadlift. Yeah. You do, if you warm up with some planking, I could or certainly some dead see bugs. that. Or some dead bugs. I could certainly see that translating into you being able to deadlift or squat, understanding your core being engaged more. In a proper position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the save on that. that's what i do (laughs) all right moving on question number two Ooh, this one we can delve in a little deeper down the road here but yeah this will be its whole uh own episode but we'll touch on it touch on it are carbs the work of the devil yeah this question is from rose thank you rose thank you rose what's Um, up rose what's up rose uh The answer, the short answer is no. No. Yeah. And again, we, we will dive in, uh, deeper in, in its own episode about carbs, carbohydrates, but just a little bit of information here. 
So, I mean, I first of all think like carbs have been consumed for millenniums. Yeah. <laughs> you can't long, long time. look at for history as as, and say no one's eaten carbs. Yeah. For as long as we've been humans, we've been consuming carbohydrates. The idea of carbs being bad really has only come about in the last 30 years. Very interesting. So... It just doesn't make sense to me that we <laughs> that we have been essentially under optimizing for millions of years oh. or thousands, tens of thousands of years. And we're scapegoating carbs. It's our scapegoat to yeah. us not getting where we need to get the results. We yeah, the results we want or yeah, like and really it's just like maybe it's more so your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And specifically your relationship with carbs. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There have certainly been carbs that have been created that are really not beneficial for human health, mm -hmm. right? Refined processed carbohydrates. So while humans have been consuming carbs for uh, tens of thousands of years, you know, they were very different than, yeah. than how they are now. So if you're consuming whole foods, you know, and whole food sources of carbohydrates, your your rices, like some grains. Grain, grains if you're into grains, like quinoa, stuff like that. Tubers, okay. like sweet potatoes, potatoes, beets. Fruit. Fruit. You know, there's some people will say like fruit nowadays is a lot sweeter than fruit was in the past. And sure, maybe it is. But I think in moderation, like that it's not going to it's not going to significantly change your your outcomes in your training and your health. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of anthropological evidence showing that in addition to humans consuming carbs for a long time in history, that it was actually a, a pretty significant makeup of their their nutrition. So mm -hmm. depends on the culture that you look at, but many cultures it made up, you know, forty percent of calories give or take some more so 50 some more so 30 and i know that some people will argue that and and this is kind of where this what we touched on with newly created carbs being not as good yeah those cultures that consumed more carbohydrates tend to have lower overall caloric consumption whereas what we have now it's an is the same, maybe the same level percentage-wise carbohydrate consumption, but caloric surplus. Yeah. So it's that combination that I think is problematic. And, and we can delve into that. And we can delve more. into that later. Yeah. So generally, whole food sources of food. Should you go keto? I'm going to say probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Especially if you're trying to be active. Yeah. You're probably just not going to feel very good. But that keto is a whole nother. That's another. Uh, that, yeah, that could be another. Yeah. Topic. Got to bring in the reins, Michael. There we go. Thomas is getting carried away. I know. <laughs> Moving on. Question number three. How did P13 get its name? I would say if, if you haven't listened to episode one already, we have a little, we have some little tidbits in there or we have a full explanation of that. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened, what are you doing? Listen. I'm listening. Subscribe. Subscribe. Share, review. Rate. But be good about that. But be good about Don't that. Don't give us please. threes. Yes. 
Don't give please us give, fours, please, just fives. Please give us five star ratings on we want all platforms. <laughs> but I guess short form, we can give them a short form of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so the name of P13 or Project 13 Gyms uh, is something that I had come up with. So a little background on that. I did not like when we created the gym, I wanted to stay away from like really buzzy fitness words. Um, and there's nothing wrong with these for other gyms that are out there that have these names, but it's just me personally. I did not, I just didn't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Project 13 Gyms, the name itself you hear it and you're like, what does that mean? Doesn't seem to do have anything to do with fitness other than the word gyms in it. And that's exactly what I wanted because what I wanted Project 13 to then become that phrase or word was to become synonymous with what Project 13 represents as a gym. So there's that. And then the actual like kind of story behind it, you know, I was, I, I like to look into or I like, I like names that have a little bit of a story and a little bit of history around them. And so, you know, I looked into various, like, I guess you would call them Greek mythology. Yeah. This one specifically is Greek mythology. I don't know if you'd call them tall tales, but I kind of like stories like that. Like, you know, so this one actually has to do with the legend of Hercules and, and it's in episode one. It is in episode one. Michael is reminding me. And uh, yeah, and so you can dive into that one. You can you can dive into that's that That's all one. I'm going to tell you. That's a teaser. That's a teaser for it. So that's going to get you back on to episode one. There you go. You can go through our early beginnings in this podcast. The origins. The origins of this. Yeah. Origins of how we got into it. Yes. So we're all peppered in there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. This one's a fun one. We we talked about this recently as well, too, on the podcast. How do you incorporate flexibility into your training? There's a side piece to this question. No one likes the side piece. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't like the side piece. <laughs> assuming most people think of, or assuming most people think no of flexibility as an afterthought. Yes. So this was a question from Winchell, I believe, as well. Thank you, Winchell. Winchell's got a couple questions. What's up, Winchell? What's up, dude? So what I'm going to say first is we had a guest on this show. Check back to our previous episode on it. Check back to our previous episode on it. His name is Jeff Wolf, and uh, a.k.a. the Flexi Bull. The Flexi Bull. Yeah. What's up, Jeff? You take one look at that Instagram, and you will know what we mean. Mm-hmm. You will. His... Basically, all of what he does in terms of how he coaches and, uh, you know, what he's helping people accomplish through his coaching has to do with this kind of whole idea around this question. So he's what would be considered a flexibility coach. What's interesting about him, though, is he, you know, he really focuses on the synergistic relationship between strength and flexibility. Mm-hmm. I have actually, you know, I've, I've had coaching from him and it's been interesting. I've learned a lot from him as a mentor and, you know, what you start to realize as you kind of dive into this strength flexibility relationship is that from a, from a programming perspective, it's very closely tied together. Yes. So your flexibility work 
I mean, it complements your strength work and vice versa. But as you start to develop flexibility, understand the concepts of flexibility, when you do a strength session, you're applying those attributes that you're developing in flexibility as well. Ah. Case in point, I've been working with him on my squat recently. And like some of the conversations that him and I have had have been around, you know, the use of range in these bigger global movements, your squat, your deadlift, your bench press even. And essentially that you can apply the flexibility that you're developing to those movements. So in a squat, for example, I'm trying to develop my internal rotation better. So I'm doing flexibility exercises for internal rotation. And then when I go and squat, I'm, you know, I mean, not like trying to actively internally rotate as I squat, but when I do squat down, some internal rotation does occur. And what's interesting recently, I've kind of had a breakthrough there. Oh yeah. And that I can essentially feel it's hard to explain, but I can feel more internal rotation happening when I'm squatting without you forcing that without me forcing it. Yeah. Without you having to force that. Yeah. That's a big breakthrough. Yeah. And so it's just the, and more internal rotation means you have more glute activation more glute activation in a squat is better. helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what you're going for. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's an instance in which they're, they're very closely tied together. Now, this question being asked, assuming most people think of flexibility as an afterthought, this is, we touched on this a little bit in our flexibility episode that a lot of the people that attend the P13 classes, when we get to the last bit, which is flexibility or mobility, they're like, peace. I, I got to get thing. going. I got a thing I got to get to. I'm not going to do flexibility and mobility. I did the workout. Yeah. I did the hard work, right? So some different strategies and how you can make sure that you get this done. One way is basically, uh, and you can work with a coach on this. Like someone Absolutely. could come to me and say, I want a small flexibility routine that I know I can do daily, right? So doing a daily flexibility routine is a good strategy here to make sure that you're doing it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you just have to make sure that whatever is built out for you is something that you know you can do daily. Has to be accomplished. Going back to goal setting. Yeah, something that's achievable. Check Um, back to our goal setting episode to help you out on that too. Absolutely. And so like in this case, it could be a 10-minute routine. So maybe you develop Mm -hmm. two 10-minute routines. Say one is more focused on opening up hamstrings the other is more focused on opening up hip flexors just so you're you're getting balance Mm -hmm. each one is 10 minutes long you just alternate back and forth each day i can guarantee you that excuse me the average person is going to see benefits simply from just doing that like if you if you're someone that has a desk job tight hip flexors if you did couch stretch every day for two to three minutes on each side yeah guarantee you would see changes in your in your hip flexibility and how they feel even like just a little short little chest stretch for those who are working at your computers all day and they have like Mm -hmm. those neck pains Mm -hmm. there's simple doorway stretch you can do in there yep it doesn't have to be i think there's a some people have an expectation of it having to be this big thing yeah and it deters you from there because it just seems so daunting we talked about this in our podcast it's not the sexiest thing either. Right. A lot of people think they could better spend their time 
getting another cardio session in. Yeah, getting a hit session in. Which I would discourage. Yeah. Then there is another route that you could go where you do actually do, and this is more so what I do in my training, I do two to three days of dedicated flexibility work that takes each each set each flexibility session is about 40 to 45 minutes Mm. so that's another strategy that one is probably a little bit harder for people to wrap their head around because they're like wait i'm doing 45 minutes of stretching which my first comment is get over it you're gonna be fine (laughs) yeah you're not gonna get fat no flexibility sessions you're still working you're still working it's not they're not like and oh, I'm just going to yeah. kick my leg out and stretch that. Yeah, nope. no, it's different. Like there is a lot of like activation that takes place. There's a lot of, you know, feeling the tension in your muscles. Right. And, and this, these flexibility sessions too, if people would actually go through them and this is what Jeff does a great job of, of programming is like, you will feel like you're working. I and guarantee it. Check back to that previous episode with Jeff yep. and our flexibility episode. Hefe. El Jefe, I like it. All right, this this one we've talked a little bit we, in our last FAQ. It was asked about protein drinks before or after a workout, but this one is a little more broad. What should I drink or what should I have? I guess I will take it further. What should I ingest after a workout? Ingest. It's not scientific he is. So then it's a little bit, I guess, yes, we can go to drinks. We, mm-hmm. we talked about it before. Protein. We want to try and ingest protein after a workout. Yes. Building blocks of, we want to build amino acids. Amino acids. Yeah. So as far as what you should drink after a workout, well, who asked this question? I don't know who asked it. Because there is I, it a, showed up. a follow-up question, wine question Does mark? wine count as a drink? All right, so what should I drink after a workout? Does uh, wine count as a post-workout drink? It can be a post-workout drink if you're trying to get drunk. <laughs> you get more drunk. After, faster. Yeah, faster. <laughs> so what you should drink after workout? Water. Water. Yeah, like that's going to be the best answer. If you have um, a protein shake? You could do a protein shake. Take your protein shake. Take it. And then as far as ingestion, again, going back to kind of like we touched on this a little bit with the carbs question, just whole whole, whole nutritious foods. You know, your body needs nutrients after a workout. And, uh, you know, so just variety, you know, what you enjoy. Like there's lots of factors that go into what an individual should eat, mm-hmm. which is what makes nutrition a very complicated subject. It can be. Mm-hmm. We can dive into that in another another episode. Another episode. We'll dive into that. But overall, yeah, water, whole nutritious foods, protein shake if you want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say protein shake if you can't get to a whole food like plate. If you yeah, can't get to a plate a of food, in a certain amount of time. Yeah, in a certain amount of time. I think the the what I've seen in most research is like two hours. Yeah. If it's going to be more than two hours. That also is dependent on your fitness level too, right? Uh, Potentially. Isn't I don't it? know. I would say dependent on your goals. True. If you're really trying to get big and strong, probably want to have something sooner than within two hours. Yeah. So we have time for one more question here. I don't know where this one came from, but maybe you can provide some background on that. But... How have you measured success in your training at different points in your life? 
what were the pros and cons of these methods? And last part to this question, looking back, why have these or how have these metrics changed? Great yeah, question. I don't, I don't know who asked this question either. I can see it in my mind, but I can't pinpoint. Whoever it is, you have uh, beautiful handwriting. Yes. Very good handwriting. Very well written, especially for on a whiteboard. Especially that far down on the whiteboard. I know, yeah. It gets harder as you as you go down. Yeah. Uh, so this is, a, this is a very good question because I think the... The first part of this answer is it it certainly should change throughout your life. Yes. Um, I mean, for, for the most part, for the average person, I think how you measure if you're being successful with your training will, will change throughout your life, mm-hmm. whether it should or not. So for me in the past, you know, I think I've, <laughs> I think I've gone through the, the fitness gauntlet of sorts (laughs) with in terms of how I measure success. So early on it was, you know, in in my way younger days, it was performance on the athletic field with football or rugby. Am I performing better after that, which goes into post college years? It was, how do I look right? Uh. Aesthetics after that, it kind of shifted back to performance, but measured differently, but measured differently. It was measured metrics metrics in the gym so that was like 2k row time 5k row time deadlift bench press squat yeah you've told you've we've talked about this in your little uh, how would you say like a triathlon in the gym oh yeah triathlon in the gym that's an interesting test for those who have not done that sub five minutes for guys sub six minutes for ladies yeah it's basically a 500 meter ski followed by a 50 cal bike. Little caveat to that. It's got to be on a, the type of bike that you use is going to change the calories that's required. Mm-hmm. Then a 500 meter row huh. for time. Going back, you measured it metrics through time. Yes. So time, weight, things like that. Then after that, so did that for a while. After that, I I got into more like skill-based things. So pursued like a handstand. And that was still metrics-based, but there was like also an added element of quality. Mm. So how does the movement feel? How does the movement look visually? Specifically with a handstand, it's like how does my line look? Ah. Are there bends at certain points? in the line either in my knees my low back my shoulders not getting enough overhead flexion that period of time in that training it was actually working with an ito portal method coach pretty much all the movements were measured based off of quality which there's different ways to do that for certain jumping exercises it was sound how much sound was i making oh wow the more sound the less quality the less sound the more quality interesting that that was very interesting so so very interesting yeah so that was and then and then now i would say you know then that gets us to kind of where we're at now i would say there there are some metrics that i'm tracking that are are what i would call strength metrics but then also have incorporated you know how am i feeling as well so the flexibility how do i feel um, how does my body feel? How do my hips feel? So I'm doing a lot of flexibility training and the 
the measurement of success there is simply like to get really specific. How do my hip joints feel? Mm. Are they moving better? Are they moving more? Am I moving more in a squat? What are the pros and cons of tracking it that way? The pros are, I think it has, I think it shifts the way I'm looking at my training back to more of a health focus. Uh So if you focus only on performance, here's, here's a little like thing that I think is helpful to explain to people. Performance does not always equal health. Yeah. Right. Take any elite elite athlete for example they can perform off the charts right but it's very likely that their body is paying for that at some point i mean if you're talking really anybody half thor bjornsson getting a world record deadlift he had to well maybe his like joints are fine because he did a lot of work on the side to make sure that they stayed okay so he could perform but even just looking at what was required of him in terms of how much weight he had to put on, yeah. which the I mean, if you've seen him since then, big he's dude. a large person, but he's shifted his focus to this boxing. He's going to box Eddie Hall, which sounds fascinating, by the way. But he's lost like, I don't know, like 100 pounds. Jeez. So he was like, at the time that he did the world record deadlift, he was like 400 and. 10 or 20 pounds that'd be curious to know how he feels like maybe we can get him get him on this podcast there we go if you're listening join us join us for a little chat yeah so like so it would be interesting like how does his body feel on a daily basis like getting out of bed i'm sure 100 pounds down probably feels better yes there's no question too that his vascular system is probably in better shape probably thanking him yeah same thing with Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall, when he did his world record deadlift, was like super heavy. Yeah. Now, since he's retired from the sport, lost a bunch of weight because he's trying to focus more on health. Power gut, man. Power gut, big time. Power guts. Yeah. So just keep in mind, performance doesn't always, you know, if you're chasing a deadlift number, understand, you know, if you're trying to get to like 450, 500 pound deadlift, understand that like there may be some things in that road that that are not necessarily going to be the greatest for your health i was going to add to that with the looking at the performance there's a cap Mm -hmm. there's a ceiling there yeah where your body just doesn't genetic potential doesn't get to does it gets to a point where you can't go any further yeah certainly everybody always or everybody has that yeah just question of what yours is and now that might entail put someone pushing past their limits, getting hurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or doing some things that like, you know, maybe you start using steroids. Yeah. And Chasing something else. Like, is that actually healthy? So back to your question. How does it, how do your me- pros, pros and, cons and cons of the metrics so that I you're think, using? So I think the blend that I've kind of fallen into of like, yes, some metrics, but also how are things feeling mm-hmm. has provided a pretty nice balance of, yeah, I'm trying to, pursue some performance goals but also like like i've mentioned in previous episodes like i have a kid i i just want to feel good to play with my kid listening to your body yeah like that's one of the biggest goals of my training 
the epitome of listening to your body in there. Mm-hmm. And I think with, when it comes to metrics, yes, you can still be focused on metrics. There's a pro to having that because you need to know at least where your baseline is. Yes. It's just how much emphasis are you going to be looking forward to pursuing that? And what's your mindset around that? I yes. think is it's something that kind of gets lost too in there where we go back to that situation like, oh, I I am capped at 350. That's all I got in terms yeah. of my, my deadlift. What am I going to have to do to get 375? Three. Yeah. 360 even, you know? Is it going to be worth the cost? Is what it going to be? Oh. What about you with, I mean, are there other ways in which you've measured, measured success? Ah, great question. I've gone through, right now, I'm not as deep in my fitness coaching as much as you are. Mm-hmm. So I haven't gone through as many gauntlets. Mine are still on the metric based. Mm-hmm. Mine are still definitely on the metric based side. And I've gone through feels and mine, a lot of mine are performance based mm-hmm. with mine, unfortunately. Unfortunately? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Elaborate on that. I think because then it, it gets to that point where I was talking oh, yeah, yeah. to where I get, if I hit hit a cap, where am I? What am I going to look what for? What do you yet? do next? What do I do next? Mm-hmm. I haven't hit my cap yet. I feel like though he's still in his prime, folks. I'm getting there. You can tell when you look at him. I'm getting there. But ever since moving, ever since making the shift to Project Thirteen, it's been expanding what what other things I can look at. What other things can More of, I of a learning yes. approach? Yes. Yeah. How can I incorporate other things like the mobility side? How can mm-hmm. I look at Maybe my joints are, how do I expand feeling my joint move? Yeah. And I'm still novice at it. I haven't gotten a chance to. But your hips are just, they just move like butter. I appreciate that. Taekwondo, put your kids in martial arts at a young age. I mean, don't force them. Don't force them. But encourage it. Encourage it. That or dance. Yes. Those are the things I'm telling you. That will lead to your kid physically being the healthiest. Yeah. I will say I have learned to not take too much emphasis in the metric side. That's the one thing I've learned. I would say you're this. pretty smart with how you progress. I appreciate that. It seems like you are very capable of understanding when to push and when to yeah. pull back. Yeah. I've never been one. Oh, I, I would say yes. And I'd say thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. But yeah, learning that, learning that has, has been one of the big things that's changed my way of training. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I will say that is a very valuable skill in terms of in terms of measuring success. This is actually a good point to end this on. A lot of times I see people come in and they want to push it. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to understand that 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 element of listening to your body needs to be constantly in the back of your mind because you may come in on a Tuesday of the week and say it's like uh deadlift or squat testing. Yeah. But that's just not your day. Yeah. Like you, it's very, very valuable to be able to walk in, you know, you see that that's on the board and at project 13, we always tell people, look, yeah. if like, if, if this is not the day you want to test, you don't have to. Yeah we encourage people to at some point but we want to make sure that you're in the right state of readiness so it's very valuable to be able to walk in and be like look this just isn't like 
this is my day. I stressful day at work. Haven't eaten enough today. I slept like shit last night, whatever it is being able to be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to hold back on this one so that I can push the next day. You know, I'm going to take my recovery up a level tonight so that I come into the gym tomorrow really well rested. And maybe that's the day that you test or you push it out a week, but still you come in that next day and you're like, now I'm ready to get it with whatever the workout is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that's, that's one of the most valuable things you can learn in training with that. Avoid the bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga, that's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.